Hello and welcome to the MC Podcast. My name is Scott Harris and it is uh, my great pleasure to welcome you this morning. Whatever platform you are choosing to listen on, we welcome you in. And uh, today we're going to be examining the uh, 10 questions, 10 most asked questions, I should say, uh, frequently asked questions by dairymen when it comes to the U.S. Dairy Export Council. And we have a guest with us, uh, Mark O'Keefe is going to join us. Um, and uh, we're going to bring in an expert because I have no idea about any of this stuff, but I do know that we are in a global dairy economy. So we're going to dive into that today. And so as we think about um, kind of, a, there, we know there's been a large increase in dairy consumption across uh, in other countries. And we'll talk through a little bit of that. And, and, and our guest is going to be able to unpack that a little bit more for us. But our main goal here is to give you information, at least the beginning parts of information for you to access yourself and do some research on your own. And we have a tool and some areas that you can do that. And so kind of to get things started, let's uh, let's bring Mark in. Welcome to the MC Podcast. My name is Scott Harris. My whole life in dairy farming. Grew up in it. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Appreciate that very much. It's been exciting to watch you guys work. <laughs> Mark, thanks for joining us today, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. And uh, yeah, so tell us, Mark, who you are what you do and a little bit about the uh about the export council the dairy export council sure well i am a wisconsin boy at heart i grew up in central wisconsin the o'keefe family had a dairy farm for something like 150 years i did not grow up on that dairy farm because my dad didn't want to do that but uh, my uncle did so i uh, spent a lot of time on, on on the farm going to the state fair that type of thing I went into journalism and uh, loved that. I did that for over 20 years. And I know you're a Bears fan, uh, but I, I did cover the Green Bay Packers. That was back in the day when the Bears just destroyed the Packers. And, oh. and we, were, <laughs> we call that the good old days in my world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some things have this kind of a long changed. time ago. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm glad about that. But uh, uh, 2013, I got a call from a recruiter and uh, he was like, hey, you ever thought of working for the dairy industry and would you be interested and there's an opening and, and um i said yeah yeah let's talk and so he said you know send me send me your resume blah blah and i did and i and i included a, a photograph of my license plate in virginia which says cheese guy <laughs> <laughs> no i don't i'm not saying that got me the job but i don't think it hurt uh, <laughs> It was, it was, it was partly I, the reason I have that, and I still do, is uh, my affinity to to my sports team, to my state, but also do love cheese. And yeah. so I started here uh, eight years ago, and uh, it's 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 been it's been great. Great, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I get. Uh, I bet the people in Virginia were a little confused by that plate at first. They didn't know what that meant. So <laughs> that's, that's good. So kind of let's dive into this. And so we had come across this uh, report. Um, and we, we, you know, the podcast, we don't have time necessarily to go obviously through the entire report. So sure. we tried to kind of pull out a few highlights here and, uh, open it up for discussion. And, um, but just to, so you know, listeners and I'll reference this again at the end, we do have a, we will have a link, um, to this report, 
um, in the uh, episode description that you can click on, and they've made it very simple and easy to get to this report. The, the goal is to get this information in the hands of the people. It's not meant to be secretive, right? Correct. And so we want to open that up. So I think that the first question that we want to dive into is how have dairy exports performed? Well, uh, dairy exports, I mean, like any markets, uh, they go up, they go down, but I think you have to go back to maybe to the to the history of, of the organization. And you know, 1994, NAFTA was just passed, and uh, that just opened people's eyes to, to trade. And so the industry got created the the U.S. Dairy Export Council. Uh, it, the Dairy Checkoff is our parent uh, DMIs, our our parent organization, and and the Checkoff. But uh, it brought together uh, a whole range of people that's still unique in the industry, farmers, processors, brokers. And so when you, when you go back and, uh, you know, over time, just a couple numbers is that, um, since 2000, uh, volume has increased 324%. Wow. Um, value sales have increased 545%. Uh, last year, uh, despite COVID, uh, we set an all time record with volume exported and this year believe it or not despite all these shipping issues at the ports and everything that you've been hearing about we estimate it's cost us the industry about one billion dollars by the way Uh, but despite that it looks like we're on pace to shatter last year's record Uh, so our after 10 months of data volume is up 11 percent and sales are up 17% to 6.5 billion. Wow. So put that in perspective. So when you're, you're talking um, still a very significant increase, but yet most likely best estimate is the industry through the COVID process has cost us about a billion, that's B, billion dollars. Correct, correct. And correct. so, wow, think about that. That's, I mean, it's heartbreaking and uplifting at the same time if that makes any sense because it is, it is. i know. mean it's been an amazing year when you consider we haven't been able to travel internationally because of covid and and the, the shipping problems but you know what does it mean for the dairy farmer i like to put it right. this way that uh today um more than one day a week of u.s milk production is going across our borders overseas through exports more than mm-hmm. one day so put another way, if we, if we if we didn't have exports, what would we do with one day's worth of milk per week for the entire country? Yeah, that's a great way to look at that, Mark. And I think when you think about uh, time allocation and, you know, a dairy dairies are seven days a week and, uh, you know, the cows don't stop no matter what's right. going on in your life, <laughs> the cows aren't going to stop. And so when you think about a whole day or, or plus, maybe even a little more than that, going to this purpose, that really puts it in perspective. So um, great share on that. What, what do you, do you kind of have a feel for what you think the biggest contribution is to that, that increase? I think that it's uh, essentially, when you look at it over time, it's an issue of supply and demand. Okay. And and this is the way I, I kind of like to sum it up is that the world needs U.S. dairy farmers and U.S. dairy farmers need the world. Mm. 
So what do I mean by that? Global consumption of dairy is on the rise big time. Hmm. You just look at a country like China, 1.4 billion people. Dairy is not part of their historical diet. Right. I mean, when I was, I've been to China several times. I've talked to people uh, that are in the dairy industry. And I said, when, when was the first time you had milk? And they looked sheepish when I was 25. When did wow. you try cheese? Oh, I just tried it recently. That's how novel it is, right? And and it's taking off and people are loving it. And the government is actually encouraging it during COVID because, they, because of uh, the nutritional aspect. And so there's just huge huge potential upside. Uh, now we do have global competition. New Zealand is our number one competitor. Mm-hmm. The European Union is, is number two. But in, in a way, it's kind of like a win-win deal, right? These countries cannot, they don't have the uh, technology. They do not have the experience. They do not have the land. They do not have the water for dairy. Yep. But they're citizens really want dairy the only option for them is to import yeah and you look around the world it says well who has the capacity who is to you know to to really import a lot of dairy it's it's us and and we even have more as as you as our your listeners know is that we've got a great country of Dairy lovers, and contrary to, to most people's thinking, dairy consumption is up in the country. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This country, only we eat our dairy. We don't drink our, our milk as much as we used to. Right. But we, uh, we've had a surplus historically in this country. So if, if, if we have a surplus and the rest of the world has a need, that's a marriage made in heaven. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's a kind of a perfect storm and you know i think the part of that that uh kind of really hits me the most is the um when you talk about we we tend to think you know here in america we actually did recently did a podcast a couple episodes ago um that talked about this a little bit kind of the attack that the dairy industry has been on here in the u.s in the past few years as far as the nutrition side of it i should say um, they've obviously been attacked on the environmental side as well, but right. um, a lot on the nutrition side, you know, that there was this school of thought for quite a while or tried to be anyway of dairy's bad for you and all these different things. And, and what we're seeing is that's trend is coming back around. Um, people are starting to put more science behind it and realize that's not true. And while you're right, the milk consumption might be less. The overall dairy consumption is up. Um, we just like it in a different form than we did when I was growing up where we always had milk on the table. True. And so, you know, the fact that these other these other countries, like what you were talking about um, in Asia, have, have got to find a way to feed their people. And they know that dairy is going to be part of that. And so um, it's important that they, they look at that. So the, let's kind of jump into that. So where are these products going? Uh, where are they getting shipped to? You kind of hit on a little bit, but can you give us a little more detail there? Sure. So historically, Mexico has been our number one market by far. And, and part of that is due to NAFTA. And, and now we have a, a new uh, trade agreement in, in place that is pretty close to NAFTA. And, yeah. uh, you know, we can we can ship across the border with a, without a whole lot of fees. Uh, and that's been great. Uh, but 
other parts of the world have really been growing and we've been investing. So, so we didn't put all our eggs in one basket. We didn't put all our milk in one carton or our cheese for our friends in Mexico. Uh, we've been investing around the world. And last year, uh, it really paid off, right? Because with COVID, it really hit the Mexican economy hard. And yeah. our exports, the value of our exports to Mexico last year actually went down 8%. So you say, well, how, how did you make a, how did you set a record? Well, our investments in Southeast Asia have been paying off and exports to that part of the world are booming. So last year it was up 36%. Wow. So to give you and just, okay, let's dollar amounts. Mexico, this is last year, right? Complete your data. Last year was $1.4 billion in sales. Southeast Asia, $1.3 billion. Wow. So we, we cannot take all that credit by any means, but we're an organization. We don't export ourselves, but we pave the way for right. our member companies to get into these markets, to get through all the regulations, and to get dairy farmers' milk across the border and all sorts of different products so that the rest of the world can be fed and happy, and we want to keep that going. Now, this year, the Mexican economy is bouncing back, and it's looking a lot better. And yeah. as I said, we're on track, uh, you know, on track for another record. So as far as paving the way, you mentioned, you know, kind of, the, you know, you're not exporters per se, right? Right, But correct. you do pave the way. You make it possible. You help kind of uh, yes. right. work with that. Part of that, I assume, was the decision behind building a dairy center in Southeast Asia or is there more? Uh, I assume there's obviously probably some more to that, but you guys have put a center there in Southeast Asia, correct? Correct. And so uh, I'm sure that that has, uh, you know, the idea is that's probably going to continue to grow and become a huge part of what we do. And so it's important to under, have a good understanding of dairy market in that in that area. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it is a beautiful facility. It's it's state of the art. And uh, we're, we're not just, you know, renting. We built this thing. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, right when we opened, COVID really hit. Uh -huh. So we have not been able uh, to utilize it as much as, as, as we would like. Yeah. But we want this to be a place where uh, U.S. dairy exporters, farmers, others can come to our center. And then they can meet with folks from Southeast Asia and, and they can come and it's going to be a great resource of knowledge and information for them. I think in addition to that, it makes a statement to Southeast Asia. Uh, there are some who say, oh, yeah, the U.S. dairy industry, they don't really care about you guys. They just if they have surplus, they want to unload it. Yeah. Well, we just built a building that kind <laughs> of makes a statement that we're there yeah. for the long haul. Yeah, we care about what you care about. We and we want to learn more about what you care about. Correct. Uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to work a little bit internationally with Master's Choice um, in a few different countries, and they really, most countries really do look at the U.S. as the experts here. Yes, um, and, and we are. And so the idea isn't to um, 
make them less or, or get them to be dependent on us as much as to help them and be a part of the process and let's have a good partnership. And the, and the, I think it was a huge step for you guys to put that facility there. And, you know, my, the question for me is, of course, when do I get to go? That's number <laughs> one. You know, I'd love to go see this facility. Well, it sounds like it would, be pretty, yeah, it would be pretty awesome to go and see. But, uh, you know, I think the other part is, you know, do you, you anticipate that this rise and this increase in these investments are going to continue to pay off? Do you believe that we're tr- going to continue to trend up in exports? Uh, yeah, I mean, exports, you know, just like the stock market, right? I mean, uh, you know, is the S&P 500 going to go up next year? I mean, <laughs> a lot of people think it will, but it, things go up, things go down. Uh, exports, there will be some years in the future, they probably go down. Uh, we can't yeah. take all the credit when it goes up and I hope we don't get all the blame when it goes up. <laughs> yeah. But overall, uh, pretty much everyone around the world agrees that demand for dairy is increasing, especially in Asia. And 95% of the world's population is outside the United States and much of that is in Asia. And, and, and then you talk about uh, Africa's another great opportunity. So okay. we have these younger populations in, in these countries and they're growing them up on, they want more dairy. So the demand, the uh, outlook and perspective looks very positive. And we're trying to help position our industry so that we can meet that demand. And I want to emphasize uh, dairy farmers supply most of our budget. Our, most of our budget comes through DMI and the dairy checkoff. And, you know, I know there's all these organizations out there and all these acronyms and it's hard to learn them and who's what and this and that. And I, I empathize with dairy farmers or anybody else. It's like the federal government and all the agencies. Yeah. But it is important to know to dairy farmers that that this is your organization and you mm. and you fund this. You continue to fund this. So so that money that's going to the checkoff is expanding these global markets. And not only that, some of the stuff that we do. Here's one example. People don't realize the things we do. We've got something called the export guide. It's the Bible for exporting. I mean, it is to down to the minutia and up to date about all the rules that are happening in all these different ports. We've got a whole team of people keeping keeping track of that thing, and our members have access to that. That's okay. gold. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So you you're the, you're providing information and tools um, to to an industry. If if we just do do you have any issues? And this wasn't this is unscripted here. Right. But I have a question that's come up. Is my my mind is do you get much um, negative pushback at all in relation to the concept of of exports and and trying to push that market, or does everybody seem to embrace it pretty well? I think for the most part, everyone is embracing it. Now, we do get questions uh, from farmers in parts of the country, like the Southeast, where it's mostly liquid milk, right? Right. And, and they're yeah. kind of like, gee, you know, I mean, you're taking my, 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 uh, part of my money from the checkoff. It's going to exports. My milk is not exported. What do I get out of it? Well, then mm-hmm. the next question is, okay, what would happen to you if one day per week of demand was eliminated. Yeah. Well, of course that everyone would be hurt by that, including people in the Southeast and everyone benefits when we have these, these global markets. Yep. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and a good way for them to look at it. And, you know, I think another piece of this that you need to look at from a farm standpoint, and please, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, um, is a lot of these countries, it's not as though they're going to be able to make a simple adjustment and be able to provide their own need. Um, Most of them are in areas or have land bases that will not support the amount of production they need now, let alone what it could be in five to 10 years as this this desire for for dairy increases. Correct. And so this is a great place to spend some uh, time and some money and put some effort in if we want to help secure um, our futures. Absolutely. And as you said, we're perceived as, as the, the experts and, uh, at us tech, we like to think of ourselves as the, as the experts on exports Yeah, and, and we're helping yeah. the entire industry. But one thing is the perception of the U S in our safety record means a lot. Yeah. I mean, if you go into uh, a grocery store, like I have, let's say in Singapore and the U S products are, the prices are quite a bit higher. Yeah. What people are willing to pay for that because they trust it. They trust that it's safe. And in China, I mean, people do not, rem- they don't forget those melamine scandals from years ago and, and baby yep. died. They see something from the United States. They trust it. They know that we have uh, agencies, federal agencies, regulatory agencies looking at safety and, and we have this technology and they just feel better about feeding those dairy products to their kids and they're willing to pay more for it. You know, we ran into that a little bit in the, uh, in the Ukraine when we were uh, looking at moving product over there and since some product over there uh, from the seed side that it really mattered to those farmers that it said made in the USA, that meant something that it was produced here, made here, uh, bagged here because we had, like you were just speaking about, we had a much higher regulation of what was allowed to go into a bag versus what they were experiencing uh, in their previous purchases from it within their own country. And so um, I think that that name carries a lot. And so we need to make sure and honor that and uh, be great partners. And that's what it sounds like your organization is helping do is kind of, kind of bridge that gap. It, it is. And, and, and at the same time, even though we'd like to, we are experts on dairy uh, we need to be sensitive that other parts of the world are going to use it differently. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when I was in Singapore and I saw these all these different types of pizza, <laughs> it just <laughs> kind of blew your mind some of the stuff they were putting on pizza. Now, you got to be kidding me. Oh, or, or, the, or the way that cheese is being sold in China. I mean, um, uh, cheese is sold to kids in very creative ways uh, as a snack. Huh. And, and so we're becoming more and more sensitized to, okay, what are your demands? What are your specifications? How can we help you with your customers? And our member companies uh, just continue to get better and better and better at that. That's awesome. So kind of the question I have to kind of, kind of wrap this main part up is, all right, so we we have some listeners that probably aren't dairy people, right? uh, but uh, you know, I have lots of friends that are not dairy people. Uh, why should friends and neighbors not in the dairy industry care about this? Why do they care? Why should they care about exports? Sure. So one reason is, is the U S economy and particularly in rural communities. So, uh, we've done economic, uh, studies in the past and, uh, 
uh, dairy exports support roughly 100,000 jobs in the United States. There's there's a ripple effect, right? Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean necessarily like, okay, uh, there's 100,000 people working in dairy plants. I'm, it's it's the truck driver, you know, it's the person yeah. working at the ports. It's it's all these different things that contribute to their livelihood. But then, you know, here's another one. Uh, you know, why should we send our dairy products out of the country? Well, uh, for every dollar sent to our larger, largest market, Mexico, every dollar of, of dairy products, $2.50 comes back to us in economic benefits. Wow. So it, there's a lot of uh, focus right now with the port situation about, uh, well, we might not get the toys we want from China in time for Christmas type of thing. And I understand that. I've got grandchildren. But <laughs> the uh, there's another issue here, which is getting our exports out, not just dairy, but other ag exports, because the United States feeds the world. Yep. And that's economic imp- impact for the, for the United States. People talk about trade deficits. Well, as you know, agriculture has had a trade surplus for years. Right. So, yep. so. You know, I mean, even if you're a vegan, you should be supporting the U.S. dairy industry for the sake of <laughs> rural economies. Yep, yep, that's a hundred percent right. That's a great point, Mark, and and exactly what I was thinking. And so, um, so if you're listening, whether you're sitting in a dairy farm or sitting in the tractor right now, or you're driving down the road, whatever you're doing, this all this stuff impacts you. Uh, one way or another, it's going to impact you. And that's what the uh, U.S. Dairy Export Council is trying to mess. One of the messages they're trying to send and, and trying to navigate through uh, for dairies and for everybody. So, so Mark, where can someone get this report? Uh, we're going to put a link to it in our description. Um, but is there, in, just in case, is there another way to get access to this report? Sure. Uh, go to dairyfarmerquestions.org. Dairy. Okay farmerquestions.org and you'll see a button there in which you can download this report we call it 10 questions farmers frequently ask the u.s dairy export council so the reason uh we created this was feedback from farmers which was could we have kind of like an exports 101 primer which yeah. wasn't filled with a bunch of gobbledygook from economists i mean it was in language we can understand uh, and, and that's why we, that's why we put this together. Perfect. Yeah. I think it's a great report and everybody go check that out, um, and check out the U S dairy export council and what all they're doing. Um, it's a great organization and they're, they're a huge part of what we're going to be doing as an industry and continuing to go forward. So Mark, thanks for being with us. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, everybody, thanks for tuning in and, uh, remember to check out our content uh, we try to drop episode episodes every two weeks. Yeah, let's go with every two weeks, right, Andrew? And so, and so we are thankful that you have joined us. We appreciate everything that you do. Uh, have a great Christmas and holiday season. And Mark, thanks again for joining us. You're welcome. My pleasure, Scott.